body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Here we have for you some stories you've known forever, and I do love sharing them with you. But when you're trying to sleep, as I hope you do during or after this favorite tale, sometimes things can get a little dark in these stories. And I don't just mean the room you're in right now. But this tale is different, and I hope you like what I've done for you here especially for Drift, made possible by Envy Pillow, created by Kathy and Kim, Canadian registered nurses who have partnered here with me. I've rested my weary head on an Envy Pillow for mm, about 20 years now. It started because of stress-related neck pain, and I've been in love ever since. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. Before we delve into this gentle fairy tale, I'd like you to relax. Take a deep inhale and exhale. No huffing or puffing required. And again, inhale. And now, exhale thinking these words. I am safe I am loved. I am at peace. Let your shoulders down, your jaw unclench, your mouth relax, and your eyes close heavily, heavenly. And if you're ready, we shall drift. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs. They were all from the same litter, meaning their mother had them at the same time. Actually, she had 11 that day. But these three were particularly close. Maybe because for three months, three weeks, and three days, they were all inside Mama Pig's tummy together. And that, of course, made for a lot of middle children. These three pigs ranked number one, the eldest, number four, and number eight in birth ranking. Not that anyone kept track, really, for eleven was plenty of wriggling pink piglets all at once. The strongest babies would move up to near Mama's head, where the milk was at its most plentiful. And that would be number one, number four. And number eight, but numbers are so cold, and this is a warm, lovely story. So let's give them names, shall we? There was Frank, Hank, and Frank. I didn't say they would be creative names, for when you have 11 piglets, sometimes many times over in your life, you just run out of new things to call them. One day, when the piglets were one month old, 
they saw the man who owned their farm come in and look them over very carefully. He was pointing his finger here and there, motioning at this brother or that sister. Mama looked sad because she knew that soon she would say goodbye to her litter, and this was always the part she hated most. Frank, Hank, and Frank knew that soon it would be time to leave their mother's side. They did not know where the farmer might have them go on their truck ride, but they decided they didn't want to go to someone else's farm. Not when this one had been so very warm and welcoming. For they feared, if stories in the barn had been true, that they might end up on some family's dinner table. Or also frightening, hanging upside down in Mr. Shirakawa's store. They had seen that one day with their own eyes when they ran from the farm and got lost playing tag. Those relatives displayed like that, one would think they would be proud to be on show for all to see them. But none of the pigs in this unusual position looked very happy about it. No, not at all. So that night, they packed up their few belongings, a toothbrush for each, and a heating iron to share to keep their tails curled, and walked down the long path to the road. Fortunately, there was no moon that night, so no one at the farm saw these three little pigs heading for freedom. They spent that first night out in the world, sitting up against a tree in a neighboring farm field, discussing their futures. Frank, who was the oldest and therefore had much more life experience, minutes worth, really, suggested that they all find themselves a nice place to live. Hank asked, shall we all live together as we did at the farm? And younger Frank thought that was a splendid idea. But older Frank said, no, we must make it on our own. For one day they will tell the story of us, the three little pigs who built an entire piggy community and had complete control over their lives. They'll say we lived long and happily ever after. And to do that, I think we need to be together, but independent. Now the other two pigs, who understood maybe half of what wise Frank said, nodded in agreement. For one did not argue with older Frank. He had seen so much. The next morning, after a nice breakfast of apples that had fallen from the tree under which they rested, they headed out to find the right spot to begin their new lives. As Frank marched ahead, Hank and younger Frank discussed their plans. Hank said, I shall build my house of something that is easily found, so that I can spend my afternoons tanning my belly and evening out my gray spots. But what will you build with, Hank? We have no money to buy tools, only what Mother Nature provides. And we must try to keep out the rain and stay nice and dry, just as we were in the sty with Mother. I will use wood, said Hank. Many of these trees will soon be dropping boughs when the fall winds begin to blow. And I shall gather them up and tie them together with weeds and vines. My house will be lovely. My own version of the farmhouse. Why, that does sound lovely, said young Frank. May I come to visit? 
Most definitely, little brother, replied Hank. You are welcome any time. And one day, perhaps, you will bring your sow and piglets, and we shall dine on greens, casserole, and slop stew, and it will be wonderful. Little Frank smiled at the thought of having piglets of his own. But first, he too must build a house. Now it should be said here that he was not the most ambitious of piggies. He was indeed little Frank, not only because there was a Frank before him, but because he could not be bothered to elbow his way up to Mama's most plentiful milk. Don't tell me that you didn't know that pigs have elbows. No, he would much rather curl up where it was warm and pleasant, napping the day away, hoping there would be some milk left over when the other pigs were finished. Little Frank was such a gentle, sweet pig, and as though he wanted the world to know, he had a beautiful gray heart right in the middle of his pretty pink forehead. He spoke up and said, well, Hank, I wouldn't want to be thought of as copying you, so I shall build my own home nearby. Something different, but equally beautiful. Mine will be made of straw. I shall gather it wherever there are bales in the fields, collecting only the longest and prettiest strands I will weave together, as we saw Mrs. Farmer do with her grasses for baskets and it will be a lovely home. And outside, I will weave a straw umbrella where I can welcome visitors to sit in the shade and enjoy sweet apple cider and dandelion wine. It will be the most popular woven house around. Oh, said Hank, that does sound nice. Surely yours will be the place where everyone will gather to celebrate the harvest and share our potatoes and carrots. Then, looking up to see that Big Frank was now way far ahead of them, almost out of sight, he patted his brother on the rump and told him, hurry up, we must catch Frank before he leaves us behind for good. And so they did. And there they went, the three little pigs, off to build their houses and start a new life. A pigtopia, if you will, to be happy for as long as they were to live. After one more night, sleeping curled together, this time in a ditch, the three pigs arrived at a perfect place. It was a clearing near a large forest. Here, they would be sheltered from the winds and would not be seen by farmers and families looking for a nice pig to put on their table. They called it Piggy's Cove, for it was small and sheltered, not on the water, no lighthouse, but their own cove, just the same. As soon as they had found their pigtopia, they began to work. Hank and young Frank started to gather what they needed, sticks and straw, respectively with Frank sharing some of his straw, so that Hank could tie his boughs and branches together. They began with their walls and made tidy little homes that would be, they were sure, the envy of all piggies who came to live with them in their neighborhood. But what of Elder Frank 
you're wondering, have you forgotten to tell us what he's doing for a home? Oh, I would love to tell you that Frank found himself a nice trailer or train car, but no. And besides, that would never do for Frank. He was a go-getter, a doer, and he had already decided to build his house of bricks. Using mud and straw, he made a huge mixture of brown goop, shaped blobs of them the best he could, and when they had dried, he layered them ever so carefully and stuck them together with sap from the pine trees that were found in the nearby forest. With his brother's help, he laid across the top of his home one massive flat rock, which, unless it fell in and killed him, and his bricks ensured it definitely would not, would provide for him the best possible protection from the elements. Now Frank's house was a thing of beauty. Rustic architecture, to be sure, but majestic just the same. And one would hope so, for he had been building it for weeks and weeks now, far longer than his siblings had worked on their homes. While they sat outside, little Frank sipping pinecone coladas under his umbrella, and Hank just loving the filtered fall sunshine on his tummy. Big Frank was at work, hard at work. And oh, he was so proud when it was done. And how fortunate was his timing. For the day that he finished, the first few flakes of snow began to fall. The next morning, they awoke to a wintry scene in Piggy's Cove that even the brush of the most experienced artist could not begin to paint, but I shall try. The ground was covered with a soft and sparkling quilt of white, the trees in the forest behind them, bowed down with the weight of the fallen flakes. There was a peaceful silence as soft winds blew fairy kisses of snow into the air from those whitened branches. And once again, the sun had appeared to shine her light on all of this beauty. The three pigs stirred in their respective homes, warm and cozy. But only one did not worry about the weight of the snow on their roof. Hank thought perhaps he felt a drop or so of melted snow on his nose, snow that had succumbed to the warmth of the sun, and which, becoming water, had wended its way through the branches of his roof to come in where it was warmer. Hmm. I'll need to fix that, he thought with concern, as he got up out of bed to make himself a cup of mint tea. Smaller Frank also awoke with a start, not because of a drip on his face, but because of how his roof now resembled a hammock, one that contained a very heavy pig on it indeed. As the sun warmed the morning, he suspected the snow would get heavier. Remember. This was his first winter, and he did not know the ways of snow. But pigs are much smarter than we give them credit for. And little Frank knew he had better ask his brothers for some help in making that roof stronger, more stable. <laughs> stable, he said aloud with a chuckle, for that is where the horses lived. And he thought he had made a joke without even meaning to. Over in the bigger Frank's house, 
all was well. There was a roaring fire in the hearth, and Frank already had oats in, bubbling for his breakfast. He had slept fast and awoke with not a worry in his head, only wonder for the beauty of the bright white sheen outside his little window. As peaceful a morning as this may have looked from the outside, late in October in Piggy's Cove, there was something very not right that was awaiting them that day. For when the snow begins to fall, all kinds of animals start to concern themselves with the coming months of harsh weather and even hunger. They begin to make plans to either go to bed for a very long time or to fill their bellies in hopes of staving off the emptiness that is sure to come. One such creature was a wolf. Gray wolves most often like to live with others of their kind, but this one, who was named by his mother, Justin, the timber wolf, for she was just such a clever canine, was on his own. Justin had been injured when he was just a pup, and it was an injury that would affect his life in every way. It was on a wintry day, just like this one, that the curious young wolf had wandered away from his pack and seen a bit of silver glinting through the snow. Hungry and curious, he tentatively pawed at the silver to see if perhaps it hid some food or a treasure that he could share with his mates. But before you could blink an eye, that awful silver thing revealed itself to be mechanical teeth that caught up half of his massive, prodding paw and kept it there forever. As Justin limped away, leaving crimson stains in the white blanket on the forest floor, he berated himself for having been so stupid as to explore where he should not have. He was ashamed. And shame, as we know, is a terrible thing and something we should never feel. But he did. Justin the timber wolf felt anger, too. And it was that anger that came to fuel him on. From now on, he thought, four paws or three, rejected by my pack, I shall be known as the bad wolf. And I will grow into the big bad wolf. And I will let nothing hurt me ever again. And so it was to be, a curious young wolf who lost a paw and his gentle nature all in the same day. He told himself he was fine being a loner. He no longer wanted to be around his siblings or pack and risk being made fun of or pitied. He hardened his heart and decided that this was going to be his life. And so, because how we look at life is entirely our choice, that is exactly what happened. On the morning of that first snow, the wolf smelled that there was something outside the forest before his other senses could tell him. He sniffed the air and noticed smoke. It was not the time of year when forests fell in orange blazes after blinding flashes from the sky. 
So what could be bringing this smoky smell to him? Could it be the men who came and built their little blazes for heat and food? They always meant meals to him, as the men would flee when they saw him, the big bad wolf, and leave their food behind. As his stomach growled, the wolf followed his sensitive nose and made his way out of the dense forest. Sure enough, there was a clearing. He wondered why he had not seen it before. Where there were houses, there was sure to be food. How wonderful for him. He began to salivate at the thought of whatever feast or morsel awaited, and he broke into a trot towards the three houses. As Frank, Hank, and Frank were enjoying a relatively quiet morning inside their respective residences, they had no idea the danger that lurked so near their front doors. Little Frank, however, was soon to find out. The wolf, approaching the house that was woven from reeds and grasses and straw, in one great leap, jumped upon its sagging roof which of course sagged even further under the weight of such a massive beast. He growled and snuffled in the snow, his sensitive nose now picking up the smell of a terrified pig. Frank trembled under his covers, unsure what this could mean, but knowing it was not good, not good at all. The wolf, finding no entry to the house from above, jumped back down with a thud and pounded on the front door with his one good paw. Little pig, little pig, let me in, let me in, he shouted. No, 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 not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Very well, little pig, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. Well, the pig, terrified as any of us would be, scrambled out of a tiny flap door he had built near his bed that he could use when nature called and he needed to go outside. He ran out the door and in a flash was in the house of his brother, Hank. The pair peered from between two warped boughs that had been tied together, only to see this wolf, this huge gray wolf, fill his chest with the cold morning air, and in one great gust, blow down young Frank's woven house. He blew it halfway towards the forest behind it. That's how powerful the big bad wolf's lungs were from years of howling in anger and solitude. Hank and young Frank were in a panic. Whatever shall we do? asked Frank trembling so much that he was almost blurry as Hank looked at him. With a big gulp, trying as hard as he could to be courageous, Hank said, don't worry, little brother, he can't blow this house down. Have some tea, and let's hope he goes home. But he did not go home. Once the wolf had padded around the remains of little Frank's home and found no pig, but only a few belongings. He saw that there were some turnip greens and a few rotten potatoes. Well, this wouldn't do, for he was a hungry wolf, and the coming winter meant he would only be hungrier. 
he grunted in disappointment, his anger growing along with the growls in his belly. He looked around and saw another house. This one was the same modest size, but made of sticks, branches, and boughs, some with the greens of cedars still attached. Perhaps here, he said to himself, I shall find my meal, for if I am lucky, there will be a tasty porker, or maybe two, to fill me up. So off he skulked to the house next door. He walked around its perimeter, failing to notice another small door flap near the ground, such as the one that young Frank had used for his escape. Once again, he went to the door, and pounding with his one good front paw, he bellowed to the house's occupants, little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. Hank and Frank, now cowering under Hank's bed, shouted out, not by the hair of our chinny-chin-chins. You may ask yourself, as I do, why they did not stay quiet. But this is the way of the story, and so they did not. And just as he did before, because it worked so well, the big bad wolf took in a huge breath. And he did indeed huff, followed by much puffing. And sure enough, he blew down Hank's house too. But unfortunately for the wolf, the pigs did as young Frank had done, and scooted out the back flap, running for their lives through the snow to their big brother's house, just a short ways away in what used to be peaceful Piggy's Cove. There they used their front hooves to clear the snow from a door that had been built in the ground, leading down six steps to a cellar below. Imagine their surprise when they saw Big Brother Frank sitting down there, calm as you please, bowl of oatmeal in front of him, as if awaiting their arrival. Frank, Frank, they called out in unison. There is something awful trying to eat us. Yes, I know, he responded with calm and authority, and he will not find us here. How do you know, asked Hank. Because my house is built with bricks and sap and will not succumb to that old windbag. Let him do his worst. We are safe here for as long as we need to stay. How fortunate were Hank and little Frank to have such a wise and hard-working older brother. For just as they thought, the wolf, having found nothing among the sticks and branches that now lie on the ground like kindling for an enormous bonfire, had turned his attention to the last house standing in the formerly idyllic neighborhood of brothers. Once again, the wolf cased the house. He saw a tiny window, but knew it was too small for him to climb through with his massive shoulders. He had had success with his leathery lungs and knew that once again he would be able to bring down this abode with no more than one great blow. He pounded at the door. There was no answer. Once again, he bellowed his threat, but there was no response. The wolf cocked his head and pricked up his ears, listening for sounds inside, but heard nothing. So he repeated his order and added, 
Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house down. Still, nothing. And so he blew. He really blew. To his puzzlement, nothing happened. The sweet boxwood shrubs at the front of the house were nearly flattened in the terrific gust. But the house, oh, it did not move. He filled his lungs again and blew with all his might. And once more, not a thing budged, moved, or shifted with the house. By this time, the wolf was not only surprised, but he was getting angrier by the minute. He would not be denied a meal, for he was hungry as he'd ever been, having thought about these delicious creatures now for the better part of an hour. And one more time, he took in a breath, so enormous an inhale that the boughs of the forest trees actually swayed towards him and let go the biggest, the hugest, the most powerful hurricane force gust of breath that had ever been known in the land. And still, the house didn't move. However, the heavy front door blew open just a tiny bit. Aha, said the wolf with a smile. This will do nicely. So he walked into the house, carefully, cautiously, and looked around. No inhabitants, but just delicious smells. What was that bubbling over the fire in the hearth? He stepped over and dipped his front paw into the mixture. He jumped back in surprise and curled his head down to lick the hot mixture off his foot. But as he did so, his long tail rested in the coals and began to burn. Oh, the wolf ran in circles, his tail on fire, howling with the pain of its burns. Round and round he ran, chasing the flames and making the most awful of sounds. Below the house, in their safe cellar, the three pigs looked up in amazement. What is happening? cried Hank. It's the wolf, answered Elder Frank. He sounds like he's on fire. Quick, let's go help him, said the soft-hearted younger Frank. And before the three could discuss it, he ran up the stairs, pushed the cellar doors open with his snout, and ran through the front door of the house. The two brothers followed him in quick pursuit, telling him, Be careful, Frank. It's a big, bad wolf. When little Frank slid into the house, the big bad wolf barely noticed, so busy was he running and trying to catch his tail, which was painful and flaming. I'll help you, cried little Frank, who ran to his brother's washbowl and carried it to where the wolf was circling in a panic. His brothers ran to Frank's aid, and the three of them threw the wooden bowl of soapy water onto the wolf's tail extinguishing the flames. As the wolf sat panting, whimpering, and licking his burns, the three pigs gathered round him. I have aloe for your tail, said the eldest. Go away, growled the wolf. I have snow to cool the burn, said the middle pig. Leave me be, yelled the wolf. 
I have Frank's blanket, which I wove from reeds, said little Frank. All together, the three pigs made a soft bed for the wolf, who reluctantly, and with much suspicion, laid down upon it while the brothers tended to his burned tail. For days, the wolf laid there as fever ran through him, and the tail showed signs of healing, then infection, then healing again. But on a morning one week after the big bad wolf first darkened, and in two cases flattened their doors, he opened his eyes, and they were clearer, brighter, than they had been since first he focused them upon his prey. The sun shone through the house's tiny window and warmed the wolf's fur. As he awoke, he felt within him not only the soothing rays upon his thickening coat, but a sense of peace, of stillness, of being cared for, of being part of something bigger than just his own angry self. As he lapped from a bowl of water which Hank brought near his face, he looked about him, his yellow eyes taking in the kind gaze of his caretakers, and he felt something within him had shifted. He sat up gingerly on his haunches, careful not to move the tail that was wrapped now in the woven blanket and cooled and soothed with aloe and herbs that had been gathered from the grasses and forest, revealed again now that the first snow had melted away. I should thank you, he said weakly, for you have saved me from the fire and from myself. We only wish you not to harm us, big wolf. That is not my name, he said, a bit of growl returning to his throat. Oh, said Hank, big bad wolf. No, that is not my name either, replied the beast. You may call me by the name my mother gave me, Justin. Then we shall, said Elder Frank. But to be clear, we do not wish to be your dinner when you are well. And you will not, for because you saved me, I will forever be your protector. It is the law of the forest. And I will be loyal, and you need not worry ever again that any creature will endanger you. And we can trust you, asked Hank. Upon the great mother of all the earth, upon the moon and the sun and the forest I call home, I promise you. And do you know, the big, no, Justin the timber wolf, kept his promise. He watched out for the pigs, and they watched out for him. They became his pack, and he, their litter mate, and they did live happily ever after. And with that thought of togetherness, of overcoming age-old tensions, and preconceived ideas of who we should and should not hate, or eat, for that matter. I wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>